It's been another tough week with the coronavirus. The number of cases and the death toll continues to rise. Many of us have also been confined to our homes, and that isn't easy for a number of different reasons. We get bored with not having much to do. We can become frustrated with our family. And on top of that, we may even be tempted to eat more than we normally do. And I'll confess to you that I consistently get the urge when I'm at home to go into the kitchen and snack on something, even when I'm not hungry. And that reminds me of how easy it is to become gluttonous. Now today we continue our study of the seven deadly sins by looking at the sin of gluttony and the virtue of contentment. In the scripture that we will look at, the Apostle Paul warns us that our bellies can easily become our God if we're not careful. Now, this scripture comes from Paul's letter to the Philippians. It's a very friendly letter to the church in Philippi, encouraging them to remain faithful and rooted in Christ and to not be pulled away by other things like food. So I invite you now to listen to our scripture reading. It comes from the third chapter of Philippians. I will begin with verse 17 and read through verse 1 of chapter 4. And Paul writes this, Brothers and sisters, join in imitating me and observe those who live according to the example you have in us. For many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. I have often told you of them, and now I tell you even with tears. Their end is destruction. Their God is the belly, and their glory is in their shame. Their minds are set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and it's from there that we are expecting a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humiliation that it may be conformed to the body of His glory by the power that also enables Him to make all things subject to Himself. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, whom I love and long for my joy and crown stand firm in the lord in this way my beloved amen joey chestnut might not be a household name but in my opinion he is a glutton for punishment now i say this because he's a competitive eater and competitive eaters throw down massive amounts of food in the blink of an eye now to me this sport, if you can call it that, looks really painful, but Joey is really good at it. In fact, he holds titles in eating apple pies, hard-boiled eggs, tacos, chicken wings, grilled cheese sandwiches, and donuts, but I think he's best known for being the hot dog eating champion. Now, every 4th of July, my kids and I watch the annual Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest held on Coney Island. Now, we're really not interested in who wins this contest. We just like watching the spectacle of it all, and we wonder how many dogs Joey will cram down his throat. By the way, his record is 72 in 12 minutes. Now, just thinking about that many hot dogs in my belly makes me hurt, which is why I call him a glutton for punishment. Now, we often use the term glutton for punishment as 
an expression of sympathy or even admiration. And I think both apply to Joey. But aside from that phrase, glutton for punishment, we don't often use the word gluttony. We're much more likely to talk about overeating. And a good bit of that happens in our country. A number of years ago, McDonald's had, their, had, had the slogan, supersize it. They, they did that as a way of encouraging their customers to buy supersized French fries and drinks. To me, that slogan really epitomizes the, the desire of people to eat as much as they possibly can. Now, we know that overeating is an issue, and yet we may wonder why gluttony found its way into the list of the seven deadly sins, since it really doesn't seem as dangerous as anger or even greed. But I do want to point out that the Bible calls it a sin. Proverbs 23 says, Do not join those who drink too much wine or gorge themselves on meat. For drunkards and gluttons become poor, and drowsiness clothes them in rags. Paul also identified gluttony as a problem in his letter to the Philippians. He was concerned that some members of the Philippian church weren't following the example of Christ. He had said that they had become enemies of the cross through self-indulgence and gluttony. And then Paul sums up this thought in verse 19 by saying, their God is the belly. Now apparently food was more important to them than the living God. We should be careful that the same doesn't happen to us, especially when we're hungry. The devil uses moments like this as an opportunity to get us to sin. When Jesus was in the wilderness and had fasted for 40 days, he was famished. He had not eaten anything for well over a month. And that's when the devil tempted him. Turn these stones into bread is what the devil said. Of course, Jesus didn't cave in to that temptation. But many others aren't as strong, especially when it comes to food. Now, the Apostle Paul knew that food can be a great tempter because of the power that it has toward us, and it can lead us toward sin. And honestly, there are a lot of clues that let us know that food has this sort of power. Restaurants, for example, often refer to their chocolate desserts as sinfully chocolate. And one of my favorites is devil's food cake. But let's not get the idea that desserts and other good food are inherently bad. The Bible affirms that food is meant to be enjoyed. Now God wants us to eat and find pleasure in good food that sustains our bodies. And we see this throughout the Bible. The creation story concludes on the sixth day with God saying... I have given every green plant for food. And Psalm 145 says, The eyes of all who look to you, and you give them their food in due season. We also know that when angelic visitors came to Abraham and Sarah, their first act was to prepare a bountiful meal for their guest. Food also plays a, a key role in many of the rituals and celebrations found in the biblical story. All but one of Israel's holy days were feast days. Some of the most significant events 
and Jesus' ministry happened at mealtimes. And then there's the Last Supper, which we use as the model for communion. So the Bible in no way is trying to take away the pleasure that comes with enjoying good food. Food is, in my opinion, one of the most amazing gifts that God has shared with us. It's a multi-sensory experience. We get to enjoy the aroma of food before it enters our mouth, and then we get to savor it with our taste buds. And one of the remarkable things that come with smell and taste is that it can transport us back to other places and to other people. It's like when we say, this reminds me of home. It tastes like my grandmother's. Now, food is a wonderful, wonderful element because it helps us not only survive, but it brings pleasure to both our bodies and our minds. Now, if food is such a good thing, then how did gluttony or overeating become a deadly sin? Well, science has shown us what overeating will do to us, that it is really a deadly habit. When we take in too much food and become overweight, we put ourselves at greater risk for heart attacks, strokes, and diabetes. And I think we all understand the implications that come with overeating and what it does to our overall body weight. But I do want to, want to caution us here. We should resist equating gluttony to body weight. And there are many people who struggle with their weight, but they're not gluttons. You know, genetics play a role, so do medications, even income. You know, many poor people can't afford healthy food like fresh produce, and so they have to rely on fast foods that are high in fat and sodium. And when it comes to matters of health, gluttony isn't just about overeating. Now, I would include alcoholism, bulimia, and other similar addictions that relate to excessive consumption. All of these things can be fatal. And so it's for this reason that it is important that we take care of our bodies. Paul believed that our bodies should be treated as temples. Now, how we, how we treat them is not just a personal matter but part of our relationship with God. In 1 Corinthians 3, Paul writes, Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. Now, when we take this teaching seriously... We see that our bodies are something more than an object that needs to be fed. Our bodies are temples to God, and therefore they are, are sacred, and they should be treated accordingly. Now, it's when we mistreat our bodies that we fall into sin, like when we eat too much. Now, this form of excess is what makes gluttony a sin. Of course, we can be gluttonous in other ways, too, like when we feast on too much TV, or social media, or clothes, or whatever. Excessive consumption, particularly when it comes with food, is sinful because there are many people in the world who don't have enough. 
And it's just a reminder that we should do a better job of sharing what we have. We see this in the story of the rich man and Lazarus. Each day, the rich man had an abundance of food, while poor Lazarus sat outside his home with nothing to eat. Lazarus would have gladly feasted on the crumbs of the rich man's table, but the rich man never even noticed him. One of the key lessons that we learn from this story is that the rich man had ultimately turned away from God. That's what happens when we act gluttonous. When we consume too much, we move away from God. We move away from God by, by, by turning the thing that we enjoy into an idol. And that's the point Paul was making to the Philippians. They had become preoccupied with matters of the flesh. They had replaced God with food. They had turned the thing for which they lived into a God. Food became the number one priority for which they lived. Now people live for different things. Some people live for money. Some people live for success. Some people live for applause and admiration from others. If we're not careful, we can let these things become our God. And that's what gluttony does. Now, the Christian virtue that counters gluttony is contentment. In his first letter to Timothy, Paul wrote, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world... And we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Now to be content with what we have requires an act of the will. And a good word for this is self-control. And when the Bible speaks of self-control, it has to do with more than just controlling our physical appetites. The Greek word for self-control is egrateia. Plato used this word to convey the idea of self-mastery. And Paul connected it with athletes who discipline their bodies in an effort to achieve their goals. In 1 Corinthians, he wrote, Athletes exercise self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable garland, but we an imperishable one. Now, problems arise when we don't practice self-control. When self-control is missing, people tend to sin and make mistakes. And really, the pages of history are crammed with stories of political and military leaders who were defeated because they lacked self-control. They weren't content with what they had. Gluttony had gotten a hold of them. They wanted more and more, and that ultimately led to their defeat. Now, being content and self-controlled, especially with food, can be a major test for, for many of us because we can't get away from food. It's something we all need. Our bellies, in fact, growl at us three times a day, if not more than that. We have to eat or we'll die. But sometimes, something in us desires to eat and to consume more than is needed. We're not satisfied. We want more. And it's when we lose self-control that we start walking down the path of gluttony. Now there's something 
in our human nature that allows hunger to overpower the virtue of contentment and self-control. And we often make peace with this weakness. We may even joke about it. But Paul warns us that when we let our bellies become our God, we end up settling for earthly things. And so my encouragement for all of us is to fight the temptation to be gluttonous and instead to ask God for guidance in controlling our appetites for everything we consume, not just food, so that we can keep our focus on the Lord. I want to invite you now to join me in a spirit of prayer. Goma and Alex will lead us in a time of confession. So let us pray together with them.